pray. God, thank you again, um, just together, Lord. This is your church. And um, God, as we learn and grow and draw near to you, God, I, I pray that we learn to be the church, God, and what you intended for her. Not our own agenda, not our own rules, not our own anything. God, I know we're just people and trying to figure all this out together. And we've got these relationships that, that we get to, to work this out through. But God, you, you've given some clear pictures. And God, I pray that we fulfill those things, God. That we look like your church. That we just aren't here for the, the social side. I, and I know there's, an, there's parts of that, but God, that we take serious all the things you've done uh, to establish your church, God. And so as we read through Ephesians today, I, I just help us to see it, God. Help the word that you gave to us uh, transform us the way we think. God, and if we've not been doing our part, I pray that we, we pick that banner up, God, and we, and we charge forward. Thanks for loving us and providing in every way possible so that we can spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going we're gonna to just dig into... Uh, I'm going to turn off the spotlights. I don't need those. Um, we're going to dig into Ephesians today, and that, we're going to be exclusively in that book. Uh, so you can flip over there and track along, or you can read off the screen, or whatever you want to do. So kind of the thought uh, behind uh, this is that gospel thinking uh, leads to gospel doing, all right? And, and we've talked a lot about that, uh, kind of the... Uh, and I'm generalizing here, and I, I understand that everyone doesn't fall into this lane, but it, it, uh, the, the whole Christianity thing, a lot of it falls into a salvation lane, right? I want to get saved. I don't want to go to hell. That's scary. Jesus died on a cross. I want saved. And, and there's this Savior part, but there's also this Lord part. And we talk a lot about that because uh, for many of us, for many Christians that I've ran across over the years, um, it was getting that heaven box checked and then it was kind of just well as long as I'm a pretty good person you know and the reason that we fall into that trap a little bit is because that's how our world works for the most part right you obey the law you don't end up in jail right <laughs> so there you go so if you're a good person you know you're not going to be in the back of a police car and if you make a mistake and get caught you're going to be in the back right and so it kind of just works out that way and so it's hard it's hard to process through some of this but uh, so it's like, hey, Jesus took my place. You know, we, we talked about we don't earn hell, we don't earn grace, we don't earn like, but then there's this side of like, hey, because Jesus has saved me and because I have the Holy Spirit, there are absolutely works. Like there's no, like the Bible makes no apologies about that. Like there should be evidence, fruit, right? It talks about that. There's 
Like it's, it's just the natural response because now we have God dwelling inside of us and God longs for the things of God. Shocker, right? So if, if we have the Holy Spirit and we're saved, there should be a desire and a longing for the things of God. It doesn't mean that the flesh isn't present and the flesh doesn't fight against it. Of course it, it is. They wage war against each other. But gospel thinking leads to gospel doing. It's why we need to read our Bibles and study our Bibles and meditate on the Bible because that's what's going to renew your mind. And that's when you're going to think about the gospel more and more and more. And there is no end to that depth. There's no end. It just keeps going. Jesus took our place. The Holy God took our place. And the gospel will teach you to think and act like Jesus. And everything revolves around it. So Paul is, like in Ephesians, he's just going to go right into announcing the good news and talk about that in chapters 1 through 3. And then in 4 through 6, he he talks about these good commands and the good news makes it possible for the good commands. Uh, In in 1 John, he says his his commands are not burdensome. They're not killjoys. They actually bring life when we're obedient. It actually breathes life into us, you know? And that's what Jesus calls us to. We're supposed to live life and life more abundantly. And gospel explanation leads to gospel application, okay? So uh, this is why we want to talk about the gospel so much. So religion says, I'll do my best and I might get accepted. And back to kind of just that mentality uh, that we have. And the gospel says, I'm accepted by Christ in Christ. There's a whole bunch of in Christ in Ephesians. It's awesome. And through Christ and through his finished work on the cross, and therefore, I want to slash desire to obey. It's not duty, it's delight. It's a joy to, to serve Jesus and to follow what he tells us to do. And again, it's gonna, when we're doing that, when we're, when we're traveling in that lane, he, he's going to breathe life into us. Why? Because God first loved us. Because he first loved us. Okay, so he died for us. And when we embrace the love of Christ, we learn to grow in the way that Christ loved. And so we, we look like him. We're imitators of Christ. So just want to, in, in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, through chapter 2, verse 10, uh, in Christ is just said over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and so I uh, want to just uh, break down a little bit of that. In Ephesians 1, 3, uh, this won't be up there. I'm not going to just read them. But it talks about uh, being blessed in Christ, spoken favor over uh, verses 4 and 5, is, it's, we're chosen in Christ and adopted in Him. Verse 7, we have redemption in Christ. Verse 10, we, in Christ, the entire universe will be brought to fulfillment. Uh, verse 11, we have our inheritance in Christ. Uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we're made alive in Christ. In chapter two, ten, chapter 2, verse 10, uh, we're created for good works in Christ. So when we say, Christ's work, this is what we're talking about. That, that in Christ, all these things are true. Um, and this is why we can't brag about it, right? We're not supposed to boast about what we do. It's in Christ because that's where we draw from. That's where everything's uh, flowing out of. It's in Christ. So we, we boast in Christ alone. And so Paul mentions three times in chapter one that we are, we are in Christ, but it is for God, Okay. So we talked about that a lot through this whole journey, this whole year. Man, this is for the glory of God. That's it. Why are you here? If you still don't know the answer to that question, I will answer it for you right now. You're here for the glory of God. 
You're here for the glory of God. That's it, right? Everything else falls under that. And so it always begs the question, believers, brothers and sisters, am I living a life that's bringing glory to God? Or am I living a life that's building my own kingdom and trying to bring glory to this guy? You can point the finger at yourself, not me, but... Right? Are we, are we raising our own kingdom up? Or are we, trying, are we living in a way that's bringing glory to God? Ephesians 1, uh, uh, verse 5 and 6, it says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Why? To the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. We're saved to bring praise and glory uh, of His grace. Like, we're, we're so thankful, and, and we just want to reflect that. Ephesians 1.12 says, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. So we're this living praise to His glory. You know, I think about when we... I, I know we've all done it, right? We've all showed up to church. It's just not been a good morning. It's not been a good week. Maybe, maybe it's not been a good year. And we just kind of uh, through the songs and everything. And I just, it's one of the things, you know, just want to challenge you on when I, I think about preparing to come in to worship, you know, and do we do that? Do we take some time to just, to just be with God, to enter in and, and worship him, you know, and like really know what we're singing and who we're singing to. And, and it, cause it changes things. And I know we've probably all been there where we've just sung the words cause they're on the screen or we've heard them a million times. But we are to be this living, we're to be living in praise to His glory. Uh, Ephesians 1.14 says, Because who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory, all right? So we got this deposit in us, the Holy Spirit, been given the Holy Spirit, so we have this inheritance, this guarantee for His glory. So we are saved by God, for God, to God, all right? We are saved by God for God and to God. And so the gospel is huge. It's huge. I love this, this analogy. It's deep enough for a man to drown in, but it's shallow enough for a child to play in. Right? There's this simplicity to it, this easy understanding thing. But then, man, it just continues to get deeper and deeper and deeper as we begin uh, to understand it. So it does all things for God's glory, and, and He is offering to us the only thing that can really satisfy, and it's Him. He made us, you know? Again, it's one of those things, like, I, like working through that in my head. Like It's like, hey, God can never be anything else or offer us anything else because He knows what's best for you and I, and it's Him. And that's it. That's it. So chapters 1 and 2 in, in describe this incredible salvation uh, that will lead us to our involvement in the church. I may step on some toes today, man, about the church because we treat it super casual sometimes, like it's an option, or like, I don't, you know, I'm just, in the last month, I've had two different people tell me they don't have to attend church, and I beg to differ. Have you ever asked the question, what are we actually doing, though, right? So we come here on Sunday mornings, and we meet for an hour, just kidding, like an hour and a half, usually, um, but what are we doing? What's the point of gathering? Maybe you're sitting there right now going, yeah, I'm kidding. Jeff's a resounding gone, just like, why am I here? Or I put in here, my favorite is, do I even need to go to church? I can just attend church in my own home. Uh, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. Sorry, 
<gasps> yeah, but Jeff, the early church in Acts. Yep, I know. I know all about the early church in Acts. And they met in homes and they broke bread and that's great. And then they were persecuted. Do you want to go through that? Nope. Right? They were persecuted. And then what happened? They scattered and churches were planted. Hmm. Interesting. You know? It, we, we don't get to... Like, I was talking to somebody about this, uh, and I know I've shared this analogy. I was my sister this morning. Um, we were talking about uh, that. I, I've shared this. There's a game that I, I played uh, as a as a coach and a thing, and and um, and people. We we gave them four rules, and we didn't give them a goal, and they had to come up with their own goal for the rules. and And I think we played it when we went to the discipleship conference uh, in Charleston. But um, and it never fails. Like I, I've been a part of it like five, six, seven times now. Like. Everybody makes up new rules. Like, they're in the middle of the game, and they're like, hey, can we do... And, and so, like, the coach always just repeats the four rules, you know? And they're like, yeah, but well, can we... And then they repeat the four rules. But then, as the game's being interacted and played, you can hear people in the game telling people rules that don't exist. And we do it all the time to each other. The Pharisees did it to the Jews. And Jesus came and called them out on it. Right? We do it all the time to each other. We just make up things that aren't even in Scripture. And we hold people to it, or we, or we create this worldview, and we just live the way we want to live. Brothers and sisters, that, we don't get to do that. Now look, do I understand that there's some interpretation struggles that we go through? Sure, I do. But we don't get to make up our own version of this. We have to yield. That's what we said we would do. Hey, Jesus, I'll die to myself and pick up my cross and follow you. We have to yield. So does this even matter, us gathering here at the church and, and doing what we do? Ephesians 2, 11 and 12, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So non-Jews were separated from Israel and, and uh, was separated from Christ. And, and so we know God chose Israel, right? These are my people. I'm going to be your people. You're going to be my... All that stuff. And so we have Israel. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, there's this huge battle because we're, we're God's chosen people, you know? They, they feel like they're this elite status type thing, and like now we're ushering in the Gentiles. And so there, there really was uh, this battle because the Jews felt like the home team, you know? And now you're coming in here invading our territory, and it's like, yeah, you know, we don't want your ways, and we want, and, and remember the Jews were looking for this Davidic king, right, that was going to come and conquer and take over. And, and uh, so we got these two... Uh, very diverse groups uh, coming together. And so there was conflict, there was racism, there was division, there was segregation. In verse 13 of chapter 2, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God. Mm. When we read up on the founding of, of Ephesus in Acts, we see this diversity between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is why your way can't be what guides us and you. Like, we have, to, we have to yield. Because there's no one in this room that hasn't been impacted by something. We have prejudices, right? We, we, have, filled, we have ways we've been raised. We have things we've gone through. And, and like, there's all this stuff. It's called flesh. 
is called flesh. Because in God's kingdom, there's only one people group, His. And in the world, there's only two people group, two people groups, not His and His. That's it. That's it. That's what we see in the New Testament. And so here we see this incredible moment of the church merging from Gentiles and Jews coming together and the battles, we still face some of them today. It's still going on uh, uh, amongst us and differences and how we kind of view each other and all this stuff. Um, because it's tough when you bring diverse people together. They're going to do things differently. They're going to think differently, right? And, and it's one of the things we talk about here at Cross Plains. Like, hey, there's some essential things. Look, like Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Like, we're not going to budge on that, right? But then there's things that, hey, you know what? That's a non-essential issue, and we can talk through it, and maybe we can agree to disagree, but we're going to work together to love each other because the Bible talks about that a whole lot. Tolerating, being patient, bearing with one another, right? There's all these, there's all these uh, images and wording of relationship and fighting for relationship and working through that. This is why God has to be in charge. He has to be because we have to love no matter what. And it is not easy. And everybody in here knows that. It's not easy to always love. But as we walk in maturity, that's what we learn to do. We have to lay down our life for the weaker sibling. You need to hear that again. That's the image that gets painted in Scripture, by the way. We have to lay down our life for the weaker sibling. It doesn't mean that we don't teach. That's what we talk about with discipleship, right? We want to come alongside and help people grow into maturity? Absolutely. But while they're still struggling and trying to figure things out, we're supposed to be super patient, not be a stumbling block to anyone. We're supposed to yield and give up our freedoms, right? We've been talking about all this stuff. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And if you're really here for Jesus, you don't mind. Because it's not about you. It's about Him. And it's about bringing God His glory. That's it. That's it. We have to be patient, gentle, kind, all those things. So how do we walk in in unity? Um, the key is to take what we learn in chapters 1 and through 2, 13 that we just looked at um, before we deal with the issues. And we got to root ourselves deep in the gospel. You know, I think a lot about that. Like, what are our roots tapped into? What are we drawing from? And if it's not the gospel, we're going to be misled. And we have to do it on an individual level because guess what that does? It changes the corporate level. That's why we talk about do your part. Do your part. Be having your quiet time. You need to be meditating on the Word. All these things, you need to do your part. Serve, love, pray for one another. That's on you. And we all need to be doing it. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, there's a chance that that is a literal thing that Paul is talking about because there used to be a sign. Uh, they actually found a chunk of it. Um, and there was a sign on the temple uh, that, that went something like this. Hey, Gentile man, climb this wall and you're responsible for your own death. <laughs> it went something along those lines. Like, don't enter here, <laughs> or you're responsible for your own death. So there was this division, right? Because before it was, hey, that's the impure stuff, and we're pure, we're God's chosen, we're God's people, and, and, and Jesus came and tore down all these walls. 
everyone inside the walls, everyone outside the walls, come together. And it's a beautiful thing when, when it's done right. And sometimes I think, you know, as cross-planians, that's not a word either, but you look around in this church building, and there's some good folks in here, man. I love you. Been, been through some, some tough times and good times together. I've seen true colors shine, and there's some awesome people sitting in this room. And it's easy to look around and be like, man, cross planes. I love when Jason says this, cross planes, good. Outside people, bad. You know, I mean, he doesn't say that, but when he says that about things. And, and I think even though like, maybe we wouldn't say that out loud, maybe sometimes that's what's in our heart, though. You don't, you don't dress like cross planes. You don't smell like cross planes. So you're not cross planes, you know? It's not your church. Need to hear that. It's not my church. It's not your church. I don't care whose daddy's laid bricks and who did what. This is God's house. It's God's. And we are here for his glory. Of course, I'm so thankful for the saints and the ones that have come before us and that have been faithful and, and done this work and like all this stuff. I'm so thankful, but I can't lose sight of this is his. I am his. I'm his. I was bought with a price and so were you. Am I going to do this his way or keep making up rules and doing it mine? we got to decide that every day. Every day. How does the gospel... Uh, Paul, Paul speaks into to these generational uh, divides, and, and, uh, and every, every culture has them, churches have them, we all have them. Christ tears down walls, right? So if you don't like it, you got to take it up with Jesus. I mean, like that's just the way it is. Um, and so how does the gospel fix this problem? Ephesians 2, 15 and 16. It says, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. One new man where there was once two. Not just fixed up, new, right? The Bible talks about that. A new creation, right? A new. Greek, new means a new kind, unheard or unprecedented. Adoption, praise God. <laughs> praise God. It's healthy to become more diverse in our relationships because people different than us are going to have different gifts and they're going to bring things to the table that I can't and that you can't. And if we grow in maturity, it's going to happen it's going to happen, right? Because we're going to embrace love. We're going to understand the gospel more. And we're going to understand that the gospel is supposed to reach every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every color, every, every economic status. Fill and keep going, whatever you need to fill it in with. The gospel's for everyone. It's for everyone. He sums it up this way. He gives these three metaphors. We are citizens. We are in the household. And we are bricks. Love that one. We're bricks. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, so, you, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. But on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this bunch of bricks are coming together and God's building this, building this house. 
you're a brick, I'm a brick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's building it up. That's what he's doing. Are you doing your part? It's kind of cool. This is a Trinity work, right? God's the architect, the Son's the foundation, and the Spirit is the builder. This is the church that was built by Jesus Christ. This is it. He prayed for it in John 17, and he died for it. He died to establish this right here. Mm. So what's the, what's the point of chapter 3, you ask? I'm glad you ask, because Paul answers it in 4 and 5. When you read this, he says, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations that has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is the mystery of Christ? Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Big mystery! Big mystery. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 10. Keep going. So that through the church... Here we go. You ready? Everybody, you might need to put your seatbelt on. You might have missed this. I want you to hear that. You might have been a Christian a long time, and you might have missed this part. Okay? So that through the church... the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the point of us gathering and being the church is to display the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly places. I don't even know what that means. Okay, good, I'm going to tell you. If you do some word studies and you'll figure out that I, I, it, it means the rulers and, and it even antichrist, okay, is in there. And we, <laughs> I was trying to think about how, like, what's a good way. So it'd be like, you know how we watch YouTube videos or reality TV shows? That'd probably be a better one. And we turn it on and they're not really reality TV shows most of the time, uh, but we turn it on and we're watching someone's life, Right? Well, that is what's going on with the rulers and the Antichrist and the evil superpower, natural. They're watching the church. And we are supposed to be putting on display the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means this intricate, complex, great, beautiful idea. And if you really, again, look into the Greek, it, 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 it translates better, must be made known. So when we gather, we're, this isn't some boring thing where we just come in here and recite words up on a screen or in a hymn book or, oh, I put, it, I put in my time, I put my check in the offering plate, keep everybody happy. Man, we're displaying to all the evil supernatural powers out there the manifold wisdom of God because God in all His wisdom left His church 
left his church, which you are a part of, Brick, to do the work that Jesus did. And they're watching. So what kind of heart are we bringing into this place? What kind of attitude are we bringing into this place? This is awesome. And God does this for his glory. All the creatures that he created coming together to bring him glory. And it reveals his character. Um, So how do we display this manifold wisdom? First, by being the church Christ died to create. Not our own version of that church, but the actual church church that Christ died to create, where everybody comes together with their gifts and their their heart and their love, and we, we work life out together, and it's not easy because you're not like me, and I'm not like you, and I have different thoughts and ideas, and I was born in Illinois, so I'm a Yankee, and thanks for adopting me, Southerners. And we're different. Praise God, we're different. That's a gift. It is not a curse. It's a gift. But you don't get to have your way. Mm. Ah, Sorry. You don't get to have your way. It's His. It's His. And we have to bend and yield to the Spirit. We have to know the Word of God. We have to walk this out in love for one another. And if you're going to take the high road and say, I'm I'm the mature believer then bow down and lay down on the ground and die for your weaker sibling because that's what the Bible actually calls you to do. Not stand over them with some authority and put them in their place. It calls us to die. Why we walk out in patience until they grow up into maturity and then we can laugh about it. We don't get to make up our own version. We must arrange our life's mission according to God's eternal mission. The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. The mission has a church. The mission's been in play for a long time. And Jesus died and established his church to fulfill it. Mm. This isn't some club to just make us feel good or to check boxes, man. It is much bigger than that. There's a lot going on. Paul ends chapter 6 like this, verses 19 and 20, it says, And also for me, asking for prayer, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. How in the world can we read this and hear this and know what Jesus has done and just throw our hands up in the air and treat this with such casualty? How can we do that? Whew. I hope you're not bored, church. There's nothing boring about this. There's a lot going on. A lot going on in the spiritual realms, and we are a part of it. It's time you, we, I, do something radical for Jesus. And by the way, it's not really radical. It's actually just biblical. It's just biblical. We treat it as radical. Because it goes against the grain, it goes against our culture, and it goes against even my flesh. But really, in the the reality, it's just biblical. The ministry, the mystery, the manifold wisdom of the gospel makes counting the cost a lot easier calculation. Jesus says weigh the cost. But it makes it a lot easier when we know and understand what we're doing.
It's coming. Jesus is coming back. It's all going to be worth it. It is going to be worth it. We will pay a price right now. You will. I'm not going to hide that. It's not like it's going to not hurt and not be easy. And it's going to stink sometimes. But it's going to be worth it. Nothing that can, I made this, nothing that can be given to us or taken from us will ever compare to what is coming for us. I need to be reminded of that. I just want to encourage you. I know it seems overwhelming sometimes. And we're hearing all this, and it's like, oh, man. I get it. I read it too. I'm just flesh too. It's tough. Paul pays, prays twice for the Ephesian church. This is so much bigger than just you and I, but we do get to play a part in it, and I'm so thankful. And it's bigger than just taking up a spot in a pew at Cross Plains. When Paul says these two prayers, he, he, he says these phrases, may, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of Him. He uses phrases like this, eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has, has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints? Remember, gospel thinking is going to lead to gospel doing. It just is. And the things you pour your life into are actually going to make an eternal impact. Eternal, forever. They're not just going to be this little vapor thing. Like when we're doing the things that God wants us to do, we try to put band-aids on things a lot in our life. Man, but we need to focus on the gospel. I know some of us are running around here and still, maybe we're battling a sin that's just wrecking our life. And we, that's where we got our eyes locked on, right? It's, just, it's there and it's got us. And I would just challenge you to pray for a shift of your eyes, to put your eyes on Him. That's when the changes are going to happen. If you're looking at the sin, I, I bet the next year you're going to be in the same boat. Still struggling with this, I'm still... But when we begin to fix our eyes on Him and have a gospel understanding, gospel thinking, it's going to lead to gospel doing. Spiritual growth is going deeper in the gospel in and through Jesus Christ. It's all in Him. It's for Him. It's by Him. And our love, I hope, for Jesus drives us to go deeper and know Him more and more. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end by praying for this messy bunch of bricks out here. All right? Because that's what we are. And God, in His amazing awesomeness, <laughs> I don't know if that's a word either, is putting us together and making something beautiful out of it. I'm going to read the prayer. I'm going to pray as I read the prayer in Ephesians that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. So if you will, if you will bow with me, we're gonna be, I'm going to be reading out of Ephesians 1, but if you'll bow with me, we're going to read this, this prayer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will 
according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for, for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in, in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of the, our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all the rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, thank you. Thank you for these words from Paul. God, I know we, uh, we have our thoughts about different things. and We love to excuse ourselves from what you've called us to. But God, this is, this is your church. This is the body of Christ. This is the fullness of Christ. When we come together, brick by brick, as you build us up, that's what it's saying right here. We experience Christ in His fullness together. God, help us to get this. Help us to understand that we're doing more than just showing up on a Sunday morning. God, that we are bringing You glory and that the, the evil spiritual forces that are out there are watching, God. And we're shining Your glory Lord, and we're being your church. Thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus. Thanks for loving us first. I love that scripture that says the, the only debt is a debt of love. We have a debt of love. Help us to fulfill it, God. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of all this. Help us to, to grow in our wisdom and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and of our Father. <laughs> Help us to, to, to long and desire for the Word, to meditate on the Word of God, to grow in our maturity, Lord, and to be a part of this mission that you have put in place to reconcile everyone to you, God do our part. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
We boast in Christ alone. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.